When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Football is many things. Unpredictable. Exciting. Colorful. Passionate. Absorbing. Expensive. Venal. Infuriating. Exasperating. Time-consuming. Depressing. But one thing it most certainly is not is a level playing field. Welcome to the famous sloping pitch. Well, we interrupt this podcast almost immediately to bring you breaking news from our special panic correspondent, Chicken Lickin, who has what appear to be confirmed reports that the sky is falling. The background appears to be that some football teams have recently drawn and in some cases actually lost football matches, matches that they were scheduled to have won. In response, the Premier League is exploring ways to declare the season null and void, supported by FIFA, who've offered to take the season's very heart and bury it in the desert. Midlands (laughs) football writer William Shakespeare noted that the eagle, towering in its pride of place, was by the mousing owl hawked at and killed, disappointing Chris Sutton, who had predicted an eagle win. So, season over by popular consent, except for those in Reading, Bristol, Lipswich, Portsmouth, Leighton, Stevenage, Tottenham, Arsenal, and almost everywhere else. The people of Brighton, though, were unavailable for comment. Chris... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> I've always wanted to so, see that news handover. <laughs> yes, exactly. So chicken licking and and mutton sutton in the same story. Is <laughs> but, <laughs> I noticed this week that uh, Ben Stiller and Sean Penn have been banned from travelling to Russia. Not that either of them were planning to, as far as I know, but uh, Penn because of his outspoken opposition to the Russian invasion and Stiller for his remake of The Secret Life of Walter Mitty. Apparently a lot of <laughs> Danny Kay fans in the Kremlin. <laughs> Yes. If you want Norman wisdom, go to Albania. And uh, Liz Truss became Prime Minister, as expected, from the moment she dressed as Thatcher for a debate, thus triggering long, dormant, erotic fantasies in Tory party members. Uh, <laughs> Her name joins an amazing recent trend in world politics in that it was once a go-to reference in jokes from shows like The Goons or The, or the Carry On films. Yes. Frankie Howard was always banging on about his trust, wasn't he? It's a, yep. it's a surgical support and thus innately funny. Yes. No explanation needed for the name Trump, of course, and Johnson is the American word for a penis, whereas it on is. this side of the pond, it's the word for a penis. Yeah, yeah, very, very good, absolutely right. And a trust is exactly what we need just in the moment. I was going to try and do a joke about President Cunt, but I thought, no, <laughs> I won't do it because it's Well, wait until all sh- the results are in. <laughs> yeah, not on a show like this. Anyway, in this week of pain, a young friend of mine's relationship tragically broke up. His girlfriend moved all of her belongings, uh, pausing only, and this is absolutely true, to leave a turd. In the fridge. Okay. Now we can discuss the mechanics of that later, which which are quite fascinating, I have to say. But it did coincide with Thomas Tuchel's relationship with Chelsea breaking down, and he, of course, and left a turd in the fridge too, in the shape of Patrick Aubameyang. Pierre, 
Emmerich in the shape of Pierre Emmerich Aubameyang. Not literally. Yeah, no, not, good save. Yeah. Yeah, not literally in the shape of Pierre Emmerich Aubameyang. Well, what a girlfriend that would be. You wouldn't let her go, would you? If she could do a turn in the shape of Pierre Emmerich Aubameyang. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, yeah, did you see that Kylian Mbappe was embroiled in an extraordinary story about the Pogba brothers? Uh, Paul Pogba claims his brother, Matthias, formerly of Wrexham Crew and Crawley, but presumably now fallen on hard times, and some friends of his were behind a kidnap plot to extort money from him. He was apparently taken at gunpoint to a flat in Paris and forced to hand over 100 grand in cash, in euros. And Matthias, in response... Who's flat? Uh, well, well, they, they've easily found who it was. It was his brother. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> they know who it was. <laughs> and Matthias, in response, claims to have some explosive revelations, which seem to include the suggestion that Paul Pogba used a witch doctor to cast a spell on Kylian Mbappe. Ah, brothers, you know, what a weird story that is. I mean, what spell would he want to cast on Kylian Mbappe? Does, does he have some vested interest in Mbappe doing doing badly? Or is he trying to make him do better? Who knows? I mean, I can only presume that Matthias uh, got the idea off Karim Benzema, who blackmailed a teammate, didn't he? And they're still the hot favourite for the Ballon d'Or, uh, despite yep. that. Anyway. French football is gypsy. It's a lot more interesting than just Wagatha Christie, you've got to say. Because <laughs> yeah, you, uh, you have yeah, Platini as well. Cases. They're cool yeah. cases. They're, they're really worth tuning into. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and sometimes really not very nice at all, I have to say. Anyway, um, let's, um, yeah. let's crack along. I mean, it must have been hard, don't you think, for Thomas Tuchel this summer, seeing one of the great romances of our times, the one they have dubbed... Benifer uh, finally come to fruition with not one, but two beautiful and glamorous weddings and happy ever after on the horizon, which is about two years in, in showbiz years. And all the while, his own great romance, the one they dubbed Tomalu Tukakal, was on the rocks. They'd decided to spend some time apart and, and Romelu was in Milan. It wasn't a permanent move, not yet anyway, so maybe he would be back one day. That was the hope that Thomas secretly clung to. All summer long, he tried surrounding himself with new friends, a whole new social circle, like it says you should do in the magazines. But none of them could take the place of the one that he had lost. <laughs> he became crotchety and, 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 frankly, a bit weird at work, carelessly pissing people off who he needed to keep on side. But clearly his mind and his heart were elsewhere. When he said after Chelsea's surprising 1-0 defeat away to Dinamo Zagreb on Tuesday that everything was missing, my first thought was, oh no, not another burglary at the Aubameyang place. But no, when he <laughs> said everything is missing, it was like a window into his broken heart. Mm. Thomas tried in vain to distract himself by hooking up once again with his ex from his Dortmund days, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, but... That sort of thing never goes well, does it? From the very start, Pierre seemed to be hiding his true feelings behind a mask. And Tomerick to Angle just doesn't have the same magical ring it, to it. It really doesn't. <laughs> what followed was sadly inevitable. I mean, yeah, so Tuchel is out. And is there, hold, on, hold on a minute. Is there not a track to play at the end of our show? A track to play, yes. We need <laughs> it's got to be a song. Yeah, our song. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but no, so, he, I mean, Abramovich was known for his itchy trigger finger, wasn't he, with a, a succession of top managers in and out of the revolving door. Some actually made it back in and then got revolved back out again. But we didn't really know for sure about the ruthlessness of the new regime until, until yesterday. Uh, yeah. When 100 days in... Out, out, they've got. They've already actually, I think, got rid of everyone else from the Abramovich era, um, uh, Granovskaya and Bruce Buck and Peter Cech and uh, yeah. another guy called McLachlan, I think. I've got rid of all the all the all those guys, and Tuchel was really the the last man standing. I, I just I felt that uh, Burley. Is that how you pronounce his name, Burley? Let's say it is. Let's say it is. It's like Patrick sounds like Pierre. Yes. Patrick, <laughs> Patrick. It doesn't matter, does it, really? No. We all know who we're talking about. Anyway, I just get the feeling he's been bullied by other chairmen who've told him, you know, you're not a real chairman until you sack someone. You do know that. Don't you? <laughs> and they've, got, they've got like a secret meeting and he's had he's had the blood of Thomas Tuchel wiped uh, yeah, across uh, his face. He's been blooded. He's down. Yeah, he's Lord of the Flies style. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, he's known. He's got a reputation for uh, for uh, blowing the others out of the water as, as, the, as, the, as the owner of LA Dodgers. Um, uh, my friend Johnny Gould, who does a baseball podcast, was telling me that one of their players is on a 10-year contract worth $400 million. I mean, that's you know, $40 million a year. I mean, 
how can you guarantee that a sportsman's going to stay at the top for 10 years? It's extraordinary. I mean, what if his arm falls off or he gets it trapped in a vending machine like Homer Simpson? You know, I mean, and presumably there's some cripplingly expensive insurance that goes along with that. Yeah. And then Chelsea have started to become uh, act in a similar way, haven't they? They gave Rhys James a, a five-year deal just recently and they're trying, to, they're trying to sign Mason Mount on a really long deal as well, aren't they? Yeah, I did, which I find interesting because, you know, they clearly have a massive turnover, uh, both players and, and coaching mm. staff, and spend a lot of money on them. And you would have thought this was a bad idea. You would have thought a two-year contract is what you want to put them on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, no, I just, there's more and more these days players in their last year of their contract is a big thing where they're, they're all sniffing around and looking for another uh, club to play for, isn't it? So, I mean, really a five-year deal is a four-year deal, I guess, But yeah. um, because you're going to do something about it before it runs out. Well, I mean, I think we'll, we'll, we'll definitely talk about the transfer market later on. But yeah, it seems for sure, to me yeah. that almost anything unsettles a player, um, whether it's been <laughs> on a short contract or too long a contract or, you know, just it's money that's upsettled. Well, yeah, and Chelsea had... Uh, the, one, the extraordinary thing about sacking Tuchel is that Tuchel was so um, intricately involved in the in the spending spree uh, that Bowley has been... Bowley? Burley has been on um, this summer, which is, a, which is the... the the most money that a club have ever spent in a transfer window in this country, and uh, and he got rid of the uh, the recruitment people and the director of football. So Tuchel was was the guy, the guy that he was discussing these things with, and yeah. you know he's bought a lot of defenders, but obviously hasn't replaced Romelu Lukaku, as we said. But uh, and people were um, were surprised that he was in for Anthony Gordon. Uh, when he really needed a focal point for his attack. And everyone thinks that now that they've seen what's happened at City, don't they? But there aren't yeah, yeah. that many well, Ivan Dragos to go around. Uh, but, yes, exactly. This is this is what happens. Everybody needs wing-backs all of a sudden. Everybody needs that. Everybody, uh, you know, and City are doing exactly the opposite for, from what they made everybody else do, which was have a false nine. <laughs> yes, yes. So and suddenly that was, not, the, that was the genius thing, was to have a false that, nine. Yeah, and, ha- and now suddenly... What, what were we thinking? What were we thinking <laughs> having Jeff Astle and John Ritchie and, and you know, Mark Haightley? Yeah. <laughs> no, it, it's just idea. a nine. Let's just have a nine. <laughs> yeah, I think one of the things that I had noticed for many years is that, that managers, they're like boxers. Once they've been hit badly, mm. it's very difficult to come back. You know, you can you can see, you can see, you can almost smell the self-belief. Yeah, yeah. You know, coming well, that's up the and, old uh, Mike Tyson quote, isn't it? Everyone has a plan until they get punched in the face. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's a, which is a, which is a, a, a great There's quote. A lot of truth that. That. I think well, it be, does seem incredibly... Uh, widely. <laughs> it does seem incredibly impatient, though, doesn't it? Because Dynamo Zagreb, the game that they lost, um, yeah. was the first game where he was able to line up all his big summer signings at once. So, of course, they yeah. didn't gel straight away. And, you know, and they only lost 1-0. Yeah. And even Haaland couldn't hit a barn door in the community shield. And look at him now. You know, it's, yeah, yeah, it does seem an, an extraordinary uh, timing. But I think what what must upset the chairman, you spent all that money. And as far as I can tell, I've looked through the Dynamo side. I think nearly every one of their player... Um, uh, is um, is is um, um, a Croat, uh, yeah. and 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 uh, have been brought, either brought through the youth system or brought from other yeah, Croatian yeah. clubs, and you know, and they've got it's it's a it's a bit like the tanks rolling in to the Ukraine, and then it not quite happening. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Well, yeah, a little bit. I mean, I think I think the the, the guy who scored a really good goal um, mm-hmm. and scored against West Ham uh, last time uh, last season, I think, and scored against Spurs. You know, they know about him. He's a, he's they're decent players. They're a decent team. Mm-hmm. You know, it's yeah. Well, but that was one of the problems that I mean, Tuchel gave himself a job uninterviewed, didn't he? Because he just said, "Yes, I was surprised. I didn't expect this to happen." <laughs> You know, a lot of this is my fault. And you think, well, that's kind of asking to be sacked. And also his demeanour, I think all season his demeanour has been, you know, you used to think he looked like a tactical genius because he's got that T-file man kind of head going yeah, on, yeah. isn't he? Where does it, you know, yeah. it's, it's moving back. And the next minute he looks like a teacher doing playground duty after cycling into work, you know, <laughs> and, and, and demanding to know who pulled Cucciarella's hair. <laughs> yeah, well, well, and, yeah, and asking the VAR. But... Um, uh, apparently, Burley was the one interested in taking Ronaldo off United um, because he wanted the the big sort of um, marquee signing, and Tuchel said yeah. no to that. And apparently, they were at odds after that. And perhaps uh, Tuchel insisted that the owners look him in the eye when they shake hands because that's a thing of his. Apparently, that's, that's emerged recently. You have to look him in the eye when you shake hands with him; otherwise, you'll have oh. real 
try and grab you by the neck like you did with Antonio Conte. <laughs> Conte. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So next, next, yeah. Graham Potter, apparently. Well, yeah, yeah. And you think, you wonder, Graham Potter's going to walk into, you know, this new dressing room full of selfless team men like mm. uh, Fofana and Cucciarella and, and, of course, the dirt <laughs> in the fridge. And, you know, what's he, what's, what's he going to make of that? And what are they going to make of him? I hope that's going to stick as a nickname, the turd in the fridge. I'm hoping the turd in the fridge will stick. <laughs> I, I really am. I really am. Oh, he yeah. might, you know, who knows? He might, do, he might do well, but, you know. I, he might stick for long enough that we can start calling him the turd at the bridge, hey. which would be like a, like a departure. Or, do you know yeah, what I mean? Well, that's the second line of the poem anyway. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's that suggestion onto Ryan Giggs. See what he, Ryan. Can, see what he comes up with. Got I mean, a Chelsea when... poem for you. <laughs> <laughs> when they first, when they were first talking about, oh, Tuchel's gone, who, who next immediately? Uh, the three names they came up with, Potter, Pochettino, Zidane. Okay. Now, Zidane yeah. is obviously not going to go there, is he? He's not going to come to this country. He, he's, he's far too French. Um, but why, and, and the first thought was, why on earth would Potter want to leave Brighton now? Well, And, you know, you have to choose between, obviously, an undoubtedly vast amount of money, uh, but no job security, or a longer-term plan that, that could uh, only enhance his reputation. No. But, you know, there, there are little things. They don't think like that. Well, there are little things that make a difference. I remember when we signed Peter Beagree from, um, from Sheffield United, yeah. and he came to us and he said, well, I'd been at Middlesbrough, you know, and they play in red and white, and I went to Sheffield United, they play in red and white, and Stoke play in red and white. So I thought this could be a good move for me. <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm wondering if Graham Potter has noticed that in the King's Road there's a pub called the Chelsea Potter. Is and there? Thought, Is yeah, there? Oh yeah. Well, hey. of course, as Stoke fans, that's where that's you always meet when go, you play Chelsea. Yeah. Not for a long time, but yeah, 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 yeah. yeah that's yeah. that's uh, that's exactly what you do. And they were also linked, by the way, with Brendan Rodgers. Brilliant. What? Just just Recently. this this week? Yeah, really. Oh, wow. and there's an, there's a, uh, a Portuguese man, the manager of Sporting uh, Lisbon, as what, well. What called Brendan Rodgers? No, 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 no. It was also oh, mentioned, no. I think. Yes. But they've, they've um, been speaking to Potter, and and you know, it's surely only a matter of time before Potter, you know, is is given a a, a big. <laughs> given a big job, he's handed Pierre Aubameyang <laughs> to work with. Out of the fridge. No, yes, yes. No, uh, that that wasn't where I was aiming. Um, no, no, I know. It wasn't. <laughs> I don't think I could aim and, into the and fridge, did was even the if fridge. I wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> That's this. Okay, now I've gone off the whole idea. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I, I mean, he's, Potter... he's known, isn't he, Potter, for his meticulous yeah. preparation and yeah. and for challenging his players with and and by deliberately changing systems to suit opposition just to keep them on their toes so that they're thinking as well as as uh, acting instinctively which and you know he's an interesting he's an interesting guy I think and it's interesting yeah. that Brighton have done so and it's a shame I think that they didn't beat Fulham last midweek because he could be leaving Brighton top of the table which would have been you know would have been quite a thing I think yeah, and yeah. It's, it's it's amazing that they're you know he's got them into the top four and immediately <laughs> a job comes up and he's going immediately yeah you know. I, I, I like Graham Potter, one, because he used to play for Stoke, but two, because I think the reason he's gone to Chelsea because he doesn't want the England job. <laughs> yeah. and, and by going to Chelsea, that'll probably be the end of that. Anyway, we should move yeah. on. Well, I should believe. we move on to, uh, well, the start of European football this week again? Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah I yeah, mean, uh, mostly, uh, as business as usual, mostly the big giants flex their muscles and beat somebody three or four nil. Uh, but there yep. were some surprises. We've already mentioned briefly Chelsea's defeat by Dinamo Zagreb with its cataclysmic yep. aftermath. And then the, the shock result was Liverpool's collapse at, at Napoli. I mean, we yep. should say, first of all, that the main reason for the 4-1 defeat, uh, despite all the uh, post-match analysis, was that Napoli played really well and made mugs yep. of Liverpool's defence, uh, particularly Joe Gomez in the first half, who kept getting robbed within range of the goal. But the sneaking suspicion, I, this sneaking suspicion, that which has been building through the opening games of the season, reached its climax last night is that teams have worked Liverpool out and they play this such a high defensive line and they try to compress everything into the opponent's half but that depends not only on them timing their movements the defenders well enough to catch attackers offside it depends on the midfield players in front of them protecting them in the, in the middle, so that there's, there's no time for a playmaker to look up and knock it over the top and catch them out. And what we're seeing more and more is Liverpool's middle being stretched wider and wider, too wide to do this. And so the killer ball is coming through or over the top over and over again. Last night, over and over again. It's like they'd worked out, this is what we're, we're up against, this is how to play it, and they'd worked it out. They'd worked it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
And also, if, uh, you know, Liverpool, if they are winning their ball, they're tending to win it wider, like you say, mm. um, uh, because, uh, and to play a through ball for, for them... For Liverpool to play through ball is much more difficult. So it's going to be have to down the channel, and that doesn't always work. And usually the wingers are coming back. So well, because you yeah, hardly ever to... see Liverpool now attacking on the break because they've always compressed things into the opposition half. They're always yeah. not quite be able to break break down the edge of the area. And I think one thing you can't help thinking is that it was a system that relied more heavily on Sadio Mane to make it work than was realised. I think. I mean, not only as well, a, a goal scorer, but also he's incredibly fast. But also the player that defenders were most worried about of the of the the famous three strikers, because Salah would stay out wide and Firmino would drop deep. Yeah, yeah. Mane was the one they had to keep the t- closest eye on. Yeah, because he would appear yeah. as if from nowhere. Yeah. And it yeah. seems like teams are managing now. I mean, whenever you watch Liverpool, it seems like whoever they're playing oh. against is able to smother Salah out on the right hand side of the area. Is able to double, triple team Diaz. And there's and no one is in. Well, Darwin Nunes hasn't hasn't done it yet. No one is occupying the defenders in the middle and making space for the others. Which anyway, anyway, Klopp's got a bit of thinking to do. I think. Yeah, I think he has. But in a much wider sense, of course, the other thing is um, that one of the reasons that Liverpool didn't concede as many goals that was that people were too fritz to attack them yeah. because they thought they'd get round the back. And it, it, you know, it's a self fulfilling prophecy that once you've shown a bit of weakness, te- teams start thinking, oh, well, that's a, it might be worth yeah, it. Yeah, well, let's it, have a little go. Yeah, you know? didn't it last? Uh, was it two years ago when they lost seven two to Villa? And it, and, they look, yeah. and it suddenly looked like oh uh, they'd been sorted out, and somehow he's, yeah. he's he's tweaked it and fixed it then, and he yeah. has to kind of do that again. I was just going to say it's added into the the, to, to the rest of the hysteria. You know, Man City draw at Newcastle, the four the four goals of the apocalypse bring <laughs> uh, uh, Liverpool down. But the truth of the matter is, they're saying all these things about Liverpool, and and let's even play the game that they want to play, which is say. That football began when the Premier League began. Yes. Okay, so that's thirty years. Well, talking about great seasons, probably four, maybe five, really good seasons in thirty years. Good Liverpool, you know, yeah. it's a, it, 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 it isn't completely inconceivable um, that, that, that they might stumble. They might stumble the same really. as the same as anybody else. Yeah, true. Anyway, I went to a, a European game, uh, not last week, the week before, when I was up in Edinburgh. I went to see Hearts play FC Zurich at Tynecastle, which has changed an awful lot since I was there. It's had a real facelift. It's a really great a really great little ground. I say little, it's quite yeah. a big ground. It's got toilets. Uh, it's got toilets now, yeah. Oh, and electricity. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, it was packed and the atmosphere was terrific, although you wouldn't have wanted to be in the Zurich end. These massive flags swirling around for 90 minutes, big fireworks going off, smoke everywhere. You wouldn't have seen a thing. It's hard no, to I know, think I... what they get out of it. But anyway, it was yeah. great to hear, I mean, you'll remember, uh, the old Hearts songs from when we used to go in previous Edinburgh's with uh, with our old friend Rob, yeah. who we should get on yeah. to talk about the Hearts fan ownership thing. He's He's one. We haven't had a club owner on yet, have we? <laughs> Rob is a Rob is a part owner of Hearts, um, but you know the H E A R T S. If yes. you can spell it, then here's what it says. And you know, frankly, if you can spell yeah. it, how did you find your way there? But anyway, Rob <laughs> came up for the game up to Edinburgh. It was great to see him, and managed to swing me a ticket off a bloke, even though it was only one ticket per owner. <laughs> and he was he was convinced this is a, such a football fan thing he was convinced that Hearts were going to win 1-0 because now that they've got rid of the away goals rule that would mean penalties where previously it would have meant that they'd won and that's the sort of fatalism a lifetime of following a club can give you the idea that, yes. the, that the world fate has got it in for your team your team and yeah, only yeah. your team it was good yeah, it was absolutely. a great atmosphere and there, there was a bloke behind me who just shouted bastard at everything, <laughs> at anyone who did anything, at anything. Just yeah. bastard. And it's great. Yeah. And that Scottish actually, you really get all the value from the consonants, I think. Yeah. <laughs> so often when we tell these stories about the bloke behind us, we're really telling the story about ourselves, aren't we, Chris? Was it you shouting bastard <laughs> yeah. throughout no, the game? I was the bloke behind Rob. <laughs> Rob was ah. the <laughs> Fair so, enough. Well, well was... just just briefly to, to, to finish the round up on, on the Champions League, because we have to go to a break in a moment. And talking of Scotland, uh, my favourite thing this week on, on, on the BBC website, which is where I now get most of my football from, was after, I swear to you, five minutes, the update on the Celtic Real Madrid game was Celtic holding Madrid. (laughs) Five minutes, five minutes in. And the other one that appalls me is just quiet 
quiet shouts for Van Bronckhorst's head uh-huh. um, at Rangers. 24th of August, they beat PSV to qualify yes. for, the, for the group stages of the Champions League. 7th of September. Uh, was the first, uh, yes. you know, uh, you know, uh, people getting worried and, and, and wanting him well, out. They lost and, the and by and the then, way, yeah, yeah, and and, and by the way, everybody <laughs> with this massive panic, it's still only <laughs> like just creeping into the second week of September. Yeah. It is, it is early. Wait early till day. the international but break. Well, at the yes, end of the month. But, yeah. <laughs> Although it's late days, I have to say, if you want a ticket to come and see the famous sloping pitch live. Beautifully done. <laughs> Thank you so much. It's on in King's Cross at, where is it, Chris? Uh, King, the King's, King's Place. King's Cross. King's Place, yeah. you see. And it's on Sunday and it's at seven o'clock and you can contact King's Place. You can look on you our can look um, it up. Uh, tw- <laughs> Twitter field. Yeah, Twitter field. Twitter feed. Um, and if you don't come, we will leave a turd in your fridge. And that's a promise. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chabacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chabacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply it is ryan here and i have a question for you what do you do when you win like are you a fist pumper a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Thinking about this panic early in September, you know, it's only seven years, Liverpool fans remember, since you lost 6-1 at Stoke. When was the last time um, Liverpool lost at Oldham? I think it was uh, in 2013 in the uh, Cup. They lost at Boundary Park 3-2. I went to uh, watch that on the television with my sons. It was a great, great afternoon. Anyway, (sighs) let us take a quick uh, breather from the managerial rat race at the top end of the game and plunge instead into the laboratory where the rats have lost the will to race or find their way out of the little maze after being fed on a steady diet of disillusionment and despair by scientists who aren't getting any. I allude, of course, to the Vanarama National League where my club, Oldham Athletic, sit now just below halfway, either poised for a surge into the playoff places or a plunge to the relegation slots or possibly a sidelong slide into stopping more or less where they are now for the foreseeable future. Last weekend, we welcomed league leaders Chesterfield to Boundary Park, and what a welcome we gave them. Our keeper began tooling around at the back right from the kickoff, got his pocket picked, and we were one down before we'd been in their half. Eight minutes in, more fanning around in the modern style by our right back, and we were two down, at which point everybody on both teams settled down and called it an afternoon. Playing against Chesterfield, one of Sheridan's uh, former clubs, he only managed them twice, he's on his sixth stint in charge of us, gave the podcast Legends of the Spire the opportunity to run an interview with their former captain, Jonathan Smith, about Sheridan's management style during his time with them in the National League a couple of years ago. And it wasn't a great listen for Latics fans. Never really did tactics, apparently, or talked about the opposition, or worked out in advance who was going to play and who was going to play where. They used to call it Team Bingo, doing the bingo in the office to see who's going to play. Find out at two o'clock and start trying to get your head around it and hope for the best. Hope that the lads just pull it out of the bag. There wasn't tactics, there just wasn't. It was a real struggle, according to Jonathan Smith. In the interest of balance, let me also say that Andy Liddell, one of Sheridan's 2006-07 Oldham playoff squad, wrote in the in the programme recently, he was always a straight guy with us and told you what he wanted. If you didn't do it, you'd get nailed. 
However, Jonathan Smith's appraisal of late career Sheridan did strike an eerily chilling note, as it's been difficult to see quite what the plan is in the opening weeks of the season. Against Chesterfield, he stuck two low knees, one 18 and one 90, I think those were the shirt numbers, um, straight into the starting lineup, having only acquired them the previous day, lending credence to the notion that he just chucks the players out there and lets them sort it out for themselves. One of them was from Stoke, actually. Uh, yes. David. Okabu, they were calling him. Uh, it's hard to tell yeah. how to pronounce it uh, because there's a G, it's a yeah. random G in it. But Okabu, they were calling him, who was our man of the match, yep. actually. And the other was Charlie Wellens on loan from Man United, who's the son of our former player and manager, Richie Wellens, now the boss of Orient. Yep. And so it appears we're trying to take over from Stoke as the kids of former players team because we've got Wellens, young yep. Wellens. We've got young uh, Nathan Sharon. Mike's boy, and we've got Charlie Cooper, who is uh, Mark Cooper's boy and Terry Cooper's grandson. So yeah, so we're yes. uh, we're kind of uh, jostling for that crown. <laughs> anyway, yeah. um, Hallam Hope has started the season well. Last season, our relegation season, he was a bit of a whipping boy for the crowd, only scored five goals, looked lost as a lone striker. This time, though, he's looked our main threat, has scored three goals and has become, in short, a new hope making him our first Star Wars-themed player since we sold Eric Jedi and had that loan deal fall through for Jar Jar Binks. It was good in the air, apparently. Um, the story emerged on Monday that he was in hospital, likely to be missing for several weeks because of serious injuries sustained when he was assaulted in the staff car park after the game on Saturday. Now, that's what I call a late tackle is what our friend Paul messaged me. <laughs> but at first, it seemed like unruly Oldham fans were to blame. And on the forum that I look at occasionally, there was no shortage of people pointing the finger at various gangs of kids who apparently go around looking for trouble. They sit just behind me in the such and such stand, and I bet it was them kind of thing. And then there was a rumour yep. that it was actually a carjacking, leading to some grudging backtracking on the local yobs are a disgrace to our club storyline, and inevitably demands for apologies to the now blameless yobos in question. Um, but then there was a development, a story in the that the culprit was an unnamed Chesterfield player. I mean, just look at the back of his shirt. I don't know, investigative journalism these days. But anyway, it could still be a carjacking, of course, if one of the Chesterfield lands like the look of Hallam's wheels. But whatever it was, I mean, what a terrible thing. There have been occasionally been stories, haven't there, about afters in the car park, you know, haven't there? But I can't honestly recall one where a player has ended up sidelined for several weeks with God knows what serious injuries. I, I, I was following yeah. it. Uh, the, the, the stories, it's progressing. Obviously, the, you know, that's inevitable. The sort of, oh, it's a gang of lads on yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, they're around the corner yeah. for me. They're, they're not nice. I think they nicked stuff out of our post yeah, box. They should know? be banned. And then, they should be and, banned but, from sitting behind yeah. me and shouting bastard. But it's actually, <laughs> as, as it sort of, it, you know, as it, the story grew, and it, it was a really nasty, nasty, nasty incident. Yeah. And, you know, um, deeply unpleasant and, you know, and, and, and not. Uh, really well, suitable for well, that. No, well, the CCTV uh, footage, find... apparently. So presumably it should be a, an open and shut case when they actually, they're not revealing who they're well, talking about have... it being. But... Well, you'll have to get a VAR yeah. first. Yeah, though, probably. Yeah. Uh, so but, it's going to take at least four and a half like, minutes for them to do anything. I remember when the Ben Stokes uh, fight outside the Bristol nightclub oh, yeah. uh, happened, and and somebody somebody posted the uh, the CCTV footage with snickometer <laughs> on it <laughs> to see if it actually hit him. Anyway, that's horrible too. Um, but I did one of my favourite posts on 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 one of the, the older message boards uh, was from a bloke who said there really is no place for this. I mean, whatever happened between them, this sort of behaviour is disproportionate. Whoever did it should be burnt alive <laughs> on the Boundary Park pitch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I wasn't, yeah, I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure two people had written it. I mean, it's it's hard not to think of. I mean, I know obviously it's a terrible, terrible thing, and and we wish him well. I mean, it's hard not to be reminded of other occasions though when footballers have been ruled out by non-footballing injuries. Rio Ferdinand reaching yes. for his remote control, for instance, and Dave Besant dropping the salad cream and breaking his toe. Uh, Yes. It, it does happen. Obviously, uh, you know, everyday life can injure you. But this seems, uh, you know, yes. to be injured in an assault like this, it, I, I can't remember anything like it. Uh, well, no, it's, it's, it's despicable and horrible. Uh, the only thing I, uh, the thing I noticed about uh, Oldham was um, somebody else, while I was reading through the Hallam Hope thing, and I, I have to give the man a name because, uh, because in case it's wrong, and then you can blame <laughs> him. But if it's right, he can get the credit. His name's Ross Haynes, and he said that um, after um, um, uh, the trust became prime minister um that that meant that um uh, sheridan had managed oldham under every prime minister since john major 
at one <laughs> stage or another. So that's Blair Brown, Cameron May, Johnson and yes. Truss. He's matched all the Well, yeah. I mean, obviously it was as true the day before as it was on that day. Um, and, you know, the only the only way of messing up that statistic would have been to have sacked him on Sunday. Which, But still... But anyway, transfers. Yes, after we recorded last week's podcast, the transfer window finally closed. That ticking clock counting down in fractions of a second finally reached naught. Harry Redknapp finally went to bed, and it was time to ta- start taking stock of what had happened. I mean, it's never as exciting as it's built up to be, is it? You know, oh, I mean, this never. time, Man United buying Anthony was literally the main headline on the back of the paper every day for a week. It took forever to be finally done and dusted. They ought to get a calendar that counts down in fractions of a year for the Sky Sports News program. They should get the graphic of a glacier or uh, the construction of Stonehenge or something like that. They could run an episode of Emmerdale in the bottom corner. Nobody's watching. But anyway. Well, uh, yeah, I was going to say, as a, as a, as a televisual event, it, it, well, as an event in general, it reminds me of, of staying up to watch a boxing match at four o'clock in the morning because actually you don't really know what's happened until about nine o'clock the next morning because you never actually get around no. to see it, do you? Or waiting for <laughs> Christmas, you know, waiting for, waiting for Santa yeah. to come, you know. But really, just wait till the next morning. It's all going to be there yeah. then. It's not yeah. that exciting at the time. Apparently, United just needed to dot the I's and cross the T's on Anthony. That was the thing. But there aren't any I's in Anthony. Were they spending all that time trying to work out whether he should have an H? Because he sometimes has an H and sometimes he doesn't. Anyway, that deal yeah. is not over and done with yet either, apparently, as there are three agents now, each claiming that they were the architect of the deal and each want £20 million for their trouble. They're finders. You know? So much more fun and games to come <laughs> there, I think. But anyway, one... I was hoping one one would want frankincense, one would want gold, and one would want myrrh. That's what I was hoping, and this sort of reverse. Well, I'm, I, I don't think there's any sense in which either of the, these three men are wise. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> once the dust settled, anyway, the stats for the summer transfer window as a whole just astonishing. A Premier League club spent 1.92 billion, which is 67% up on last year when there was COVID still making clubs nervous, uh, but 34% up on the previous record year of 2017. Uh, the most eye-catching stat, though, is that this amount, this total spend, represents 49% of spending across the top five European leagues uh, added together. So, Italy, 670 million. Bundesliga, 435 million. France, Ligue 1, 426 million. Spain's La Liga, 404 million. And that figure is bolstered by Barcelona having mortgaged their future to stay among the elite clubs while the European Super League law case drags out in Luxembourg. And this is what the other leagues have been afraid of, that the that the English Premier League will become so bloated with cash that it will blow away everyone else. And now it, this is what the impetus for the Super League was, where it came from. But arguably, the Super League is here already, and it is the English Premier League. Yep. The financial dominance the Super League craved has been claimed by by our league. And it's all fuelled by a raft of new broadcasting deals that have lifted the Premier League up to another level. New deals with the NBC in America, with B in Sports in the Middle East, and with India and Asia have boosted the package in this right cycle to £10.4 billion. And the rest of the Europe just can't mm. live with that. I mean, naturally, the players gravitate yeah. towards the money. Uh, which means that the Premier League clubs inexorably acquire the raw material to dominate for years to come. Whether they will or not depends on whether some of them can fix their dysfunctional management setups. And even top players lose form or get overplayed, like Liverpool and Chelsea, who played in all the all, all the possible matches they could play last year. Um, but it was noticeable last night that when Ossimhen of Napoli, even though he's carrying an injury, was terrorising the much-vaunted Liverpool defence, the commentators were saying, oh, he's destined for the Premiership, as though that was the... Next logical step up for a player doing well for a Serie A mm-hmm. who is second, I think, currently. But anyway, I just I, I find I mean I find in terms of uh, deadlines, the money keeps going up and up and up, and sometimes you know exponentially, like you say, you know, like three times as much as X or whatever. But I find that the actual transfer themselves become less and less and less significant. Um, you know, in the sense that the, the shock value isn't there because everybody's available yeah. to anybody, and whether they'll actually keep them and hang on to them and they become central to that oh. team uh, it, it, it's a very rare thing I mean Torres at Liverpool that was a great signing and uh, you know he was a really important get- a player for them Suarez as well but a lot of players just seem to move around and around and around and you think you, think, you know De Bruyne and 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 um, 
um, and uh, uh, Lukaku, for instance, also. And, and, you know, nearly everybody's played for Chelsea. <laughs> at some say Robin, mm. you know, uh, and that seems to be the way it is. So I'm, I like looking at it slightly more parochially. I, I very much enjoyed Newcastle's forays into the um, into the t- transfer Yeah, well, market. you'd have thought, wouldn't you, that they were going to have a, a big a big window because of the Saudi thing. But actually, they, they had one, they've got one really big signing, haven't they? Alexander Isaac, who looks exactly, looks fine. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Eddie Howe was complaining that English clubs wouldn't sell anyone anyone to them because they were worried about, yeah, yeah, but they're jealous, you know. They're worried they're going to do too well. Well, yeah, you know? but he... Uh- he actually said, they've not been very fair yeah. to us. <laughs> you just imagine, can you imagine somebody at a major company, yeah. you know, at the annual general meeting saying, well, we haven't done that well at Unilever, I'm afraid. But, you know, a lot of our competitors have been, well, frankly, competitive. Yeah. Um, but there were two great comments from 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 Angus Kinnear, well, predictable but, but, but pleasing comments from Angus Kinnear at Leeds after tried to buy Jack Harrison and from Brendan Rodgers uh, when they tried to buy... Um, uh, James Madison. So Angus Kinnear obviously said that uh, 25 million for Jack Harrison would only buy his right leg, while Brendan Rogers said that 45 million uh, that the Newcastle offered for James Madison would only cover three quarters of his left leg. Incidentally, both of those legs are their weaker <laughs> legs, <laughs> which uh, I thought was good attention to detail. But I'm also thinking that possibly Mohammed bin Salman might think that this is a way to buy to pl- They could actually build, from, uh, build from a plane. Parts. And the other thing about Mohammed bin Salman is he's got the staff that know how to cut up and dismember a he human has the body. He has so, the you know, so watch this space. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Hey, watch your back, James Madison and Jack Harrison. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, VAR was the other big thing, wasn't it? I mean, VAR had a terrible weekend, yeah. didn't it? I mean, I noticed that um, Tony oh, Pulis, yeah. friend of the show, and more particularly of you, uh, said on the BBC Radio 5 Live, it's not VAR. Let me get this correct. VAR just records the TV footage. It's the people who are running VAR. It's those human beings who are making the decisions. Now, I think what he's got hold of there, bless him, is a VCR, okay? The VAR <laughs> is the video assistant referee and is the human being making the decision. Just, I wasn't sure about that, you see. I wasn't sure if that was yeah. true. I wasn't sure if there was a video, a video assistant referee that then the extra referee, the fourth or fifth official, consults. But I, I did spot that myself. I'm it is, a, quite it sure. is a person, the video assistant referee, and I think I think there's a right, okay. there's a there's a clue in the name to how it ought to work, which is not how it does work. That he's an assistant referee. That there's a status thing. I think part of the problem with the, is that the VAR, uh, you know, as his name suggests, ought to be in a subservient position to the referee, assisting him, whereas more and more yep. they seem to boss the referees about, bringing the referee over to the monitor to tell them that they're wrong. I mean, and this particular dynamic is only exacerbated when the VAR, the assistant referee, is a senior official and the man on the pitch who's supposed to be making the decisions is junior to him, is a not-so-experienced official. And this is yeah. going to happen because the older referees, the more experienced referees, are drawn to the sitting down with a brew aspect of the of the VAR, you know. Yeah, and yeah, uh, yeah. I think... It's the referee's equivalent of the English <laughs> Well, you know, and I think uh, th- there, were some, there were some good suggestions. Um, not uh, Keith Hackett, the uh, venerable uh, referee commentator, um, had a seven-point plan. Not all... I wouldn't think all seven are worthy of discussion, but one or two. I mean, he suggested right. that part of the problem is... Um, with integrating the VAR, the referee, the person, not the VCR, uh, with the refereeing team as a unit. Because one of the things that he uh, championed was uh, putting out the referee and the two linesmen as a team, as a unit, like they do now at the, at the World Cup, don't they? When England are knocked out, there's a there's yep. an English referee and two English linesmen who go around together kind of thing. Um, and the, the VAR should be more, more part of that team, which would mean closing Stockley Park and setting up the VAR at the ground where the where the thing is happening, yeah. uh, which I, I, I'm not sure the scale of difference that that would make, but it can, I, I can't see that it would be a bad thing. And it would make the VAR part of the refereeing unit and part of the pre- and post-match discussions. And if they're used to working with one another, then you don't have this, this uh, status anomaly you know where you've got a you've got a senior referee uh, telling the junior referee he's made a mistake. Yeah, 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 absolutely. 
Absolutely. And the, and, the, and the commentators say, you know, the moment the referee goes to the touchline, that they know what's going yeah. to happen, um, which which is awful. I thought uh, what, one of the uh, uh, Keith Hackett's seven points that I particularly disagreed with was the uh, annexation of the Sudetenland. I don't think well, that's going to help, to tell you the honest truth. It's been done before. It's neither the time nor the place you, for that. No, no, yeah. it isn't. It isn't. But didn't one referee this weekend go and consult well, and, and well, that's not true. agree? And that was Michael Oliver, who is, if anything, mm-hmm. the most prominent of the of referees. And and the, the part of the trouble with them, so he's yeah, allowed no, to. Well, he has the he has the balls to do it um, because he because yeah. the status is reversed in that situation. If he if if he in his head is the top referee, who's going to tell him he's made a mistake? No one. You know, because yeah. this is what they're like. Yeah. These are the people that you're dealing with. You're not dealing yeah. with robots. Yeah. You're dealing with people, and yeah. you're dealing with a relationship between the VAR and yeah. the referee on the pitch that you that that is unknowable yeah. in a way. It is only guessable at. You know, because uh, Michael Oliver yeah. can go to the the uh, monitor. Uh, it was a, a, the handball for a penalty, wasn't it, the, in the Forest game, I think. And um, and mm. the the VAR said, "Come and look at this." And he went, well, "What's the problem with that?" It's clearly a handball. Uh, you know, uh, and yeah. it's, it was almost like, "Who are you to tell me?" And you know, and if the referee has that yeah. attitude, then that's what will happen. And that's not necessarily right either. Yeah. But you know, I th- I think no. the the problem with VAR. Um, there, there are many problems with VAR, I think. But part of the the problem with VAR is when it takes away from the referee on the pitch making the final call on things. And I think this is particularly... There have been a few of these lately um, where uh, a goal is questioned because of, of a foul a long way back in the build-up. And I can't stand that. <laughs> there was one... There, no. Arsenal had one, didn't they, against Manchester United, who was, coincidentally, that game was being VAR'd yeah, by Lee God. Mason, the yeah. same guy who, who fucked up the day before. And um, and it was, it was such a good goal that... Uh, I, I, but I don't... That's beside the point. But why VAR uh, are looking at a foul that shouldn't be within their preserve, that shouldn't be within their brief. They should only be looking at, I think VAR should only be looking at the line, the offside thing. We're not getting that genie back in the bottle now. You know, that, that's a line call. No, 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 absolutely. And, you know, and, and, uh, it needs to be made. And now that we know it can be made, it will continue to be made. But when they're, when they're making yeah. a judgment on, uh, you know, they're supposed to make judgment on red card um, fouls, aren't they? But when they're making judgments on fouls that are lesser fouls than red card fouls, that's the referee's job. And sometimes a player is, sometimes a player is going to get away with one of those. And if the, maybe the referee's seen it and he doesn't think it's quite enough for a foul, I don't think you should be the VAR should be looking at those at things which may be a foul or maybe not. That's what I think. No, no, and also, and also, how far do you go back? You know, you can go all the way back to they were in the tunnel and one player raised his hand to another player, so that player shouldn't have even been on the pitch. And so that you know, it's ridiculous. I loved your phrase about. What the hell's it got to do with you? I'm the referee, which you said uh, that, 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 that he's able to say to the people in the VAR box. But that was what yeah, used yeah. to happen anyway. You know, you say to the players, I'm sorry, are you refereeing the fucking game? Because yeah, I don't think yeah, yeah. so. I'm refereeing the game. Yeah, but you That's need to have it. that mentality and it, to, and to, to referee my- a game. And what and what is undermining the referees is, is this other referee whom they may regard as superior to them. Or at very least senior to them, yeah. um, calling them, calling yeah. them, and saying, "Look, you've made a mistake." I think you've made yeah, a mistake. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Right. And I, I, I just wish, I wish they had a camera in Stockley Park. I'd love to see if whether they sit there and they go the moment the decision is made, they go, "Okay, this is our moment. This is it. This yeah. is where we stand up. We've got big things to do here." going to show them what we do or i like to think that they run around like laura nahardi in circles going oh no we've got to make it do why don't you do something to help me that's what i'd like to think they're doing and anyway i'd like to just go back to and i know this is a rubbish thing to say but you know things even themselves out over over the season is actually philosophically and statistically probably a better yeah. approach to tell you the honest truth the ball is round 
and people are fallible. That's part of the well, joy yeah, of I the mean, game. It's, it's also, it's, you know, it, the thing is, it's people. It's people. Referees are people, and VARs are people. Are people. They're all. They're the same sort of people. They're the same sort of uh, bizarre weirdo that wants to referee in the first place. You know, and uh, the referees get like any other people. They get affected by what they see and what they hear out in the, out in the world. You know, uh, referees. It seems to me, especially this season, but also last a little bit, can't quite comprehend that uh, Manchester City players can make a mistake. Yeah, look at the th- disallowed third goal that Palace scored last week when Edison let go of the ball and it got nicked off him and put in the net. What on earth was wrong with that? It was disallowed because it was City. It's the only reason. Referees can't believe that City players can make clumsy mistakes because they spend the whole week hearing that these are gods and this then Guardiola is a tactical genius. I mean, like the penalty that Stones should have conceded against Newcastle. Oh, no, it's City. They'll never do anything bad. They're footballing gods. I mean, and they're brought into the hype, even subconsciously, maybe, the referees, you know. Yeah, and, and not, I think it's not even so much that. I mean, there is a, there is a lot of cheating yeah, yeah. in football. You know, that's true. Or, or, or attempt to gain, uh, you know, marginal gains marginal or whatever gains, it is. Yeah. And so they think, well, it's very unlikely that Newcastle would score this goal against Manchester City. And so, therefore, what am I missing yeah. is kind of... Is kind well, of there the is. Thing. I mean, you know, you know mean? The, the, one of the most contentious uh, VAR things at the weekend was when uh, Bowen jumped over Mendy and he reacted as though his arm was off. You know, and that's that's yeah. just buying that decision, isn't it? That's just cheating. That's just cheating. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. buying that decision. Yeah. You see, you can see quite clearly on the on the replay that the that his foot brushed him, and in, in a way that wouldn't affect a grown man. And then Mendy's practically on his way to hospital. Well, and the other thing is, you know, you know, um, what's the future for referees? Because who, who's going to want to do it? Yeah. Well, exactly. Once you take, you know, their, and, once and you take their, their kind of supremacy over the situation away from them, you know, then they, they every, yeah. every time you do that, it diminishes them, doesn't it? It diminishes the role and diminishes, yeah. as you say, people's desire yeah. to even do it. You know? I was, it was yeah. interesting when we were uh, looking at uh, Edison throwing the ball out and it being nicked off him that uh, this, is, this happened many years ago, didn't it, when um, George Best nicked the ball off Gordon Banks. I think it was Eng- England... No, Island, wasn't yeah. it? And yeah, and Home Banks threw it up and was going to kick it, and and Best nicked it and put it in. And it was like the referee couldn't work out mm-hmm. what had happened, but because it was Gordon Banks, obviously he wouldn't have made a mistake because he was Gordon Banks, you know. And there's, I think that's mm-hmm. inevitably referees are going to have, uh, it was subliminally even a, a feeling that the best players are uh, likely to be right in a given situation, you know. Well, I, you know what? You've convinced me I am not going to become a referee. <laughs> that is it. What I'm going to do instead is I'm going to open a shop only only for championship referees who will seemingly buy fucking anything, <laughs> uh, <laughs> as far as I can tell. <laughs> anyway, don't forget to come and see our live show if you can on Sunday, and if you don't, look in your fridge. Sports Social Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.